Ain't nothing in the world that I like better than bacon and lettuce and homegrown tomatoes. Up in the morning, out in the garden, get you a ripe one, don't get a hard one. Plant them in the spring, eat them in the summer. All winter without them's a culinary bummer. I forget all about the sweating and digging. Every time I go out and pick me a bit. Homegrown tomatoes, homegrown tomatoes. What'll I be without homegrown tomatoes? And welcome to the Anderson Observer, news from people you trust podcast for July 19th. It is another great day in Anderson, and it is hot, hot, hot. But it's closing in on the middle of summer, and it's always hot here in the summer. If you're from here, you know that. And if you just moved here, you're finding that out. Farmer's market is in full swing, and that means those fresh homegrown tomatoes are everywhere. Every table there is full of homegrown tomatoes. And it's exactly what we've been waiting for. So that's the good news. It takes some of the blunt edge off the heat, I guess. Get some Duke's mayonnaise and go to town. Meanwhile, uh, Pendleton's Mama Ray's ice cream was named the top uh, in South Carolina by Google. Best ice cream shop in, in the state by Google. Uh, and that's based on reviews. And they had the most reviews and the highest reviews. So that's another cap in our, uh, another feather in our area's cap. The county is also welcoming back the historic Robert Anderson Fountain, which has been in Charleston being restored for the past 18 months. That fountain was built in 1906 and was a mainstay in downtown Anderson, if you remember, on the square for decades, until it was moved to storage and nearly lost when the new courthouse, which was built in 1993, was, was going up. Uh, it was found in pieces, basically, and uh, some even say in, in a storage shed at one of the dumps. Uh, but from there, the fountain's journey grows a bit more hazy, but it ended up um, being pieced back together out at the Anderson County Museum. And it was rusting and having problems with the, the water and other things. So they had it disassembled and sent to the place that, that did the restoration on the Hunley. And it's been put back together, and it is now finding its way back to the museum. And it will be pumping water again today. So it's good to have it back and running at the Anderson County Museum. Although one of the cherubs on the fountain was not quite ready, but the rest were. So that cherub will rejoin the rest in September. A lot of other stuff going on in the county, and I'll start there. As usual, Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns had a lot of details on uh, what's happening in Anderson County in our monthly update with the Anderson Observer. News from people you trust. If you'll listen carefully, you'll notice that Rusty says there's a business that's looking at Anderson that would be the envy of any in Silicon Valley, and that that may be a very close announcement. Um, all right, it is, we're halfway through the year, a little over halfway through the year. What, what would you say are some of the milestones for the first six months so far before we jump into this month? Getting the budget passed, which is always a big milestone, a budget passed with no tax increase, able to take care of the necessary things that the county needs to grow and prosper. And uh, so that's significant achievement and council worked very hard on it. <coughs> Councilman, council chairman of the finance committee, Brett Sanders, put in a lot of hours and a lot of work. so. We got that done. We've had some nice announcements. We have had some wonderful events here in Anderson. We've paved more roads, fixed more things, but I'm really thinking that the second half of this year is going to be uh, much more publicly noticeable and favorable. So I'm glad that we were able to do all of those things, kind of like placing the foundation in and doing things like that, but now it's on to the next six months and see what we can do to make everything grow and prosper. And people, I don't think, realize that how, how much longer can you pass budgets with no increase if our population keeps blowing up? Well, so far, because of the growth, 
that we've had, we were able to, A, fund Sheriff's Department the way it needs to be funded. But that's all based on growth. But, you know. Services have to be. Services, and, and I think we still provide a number one, A1 level of service to the constituents. And uh, we're going to do it as long as we can is the only thing I can say. That's, that's council's mantra. We don't have a lot of wasteful spending. We don't do a lot of uh, things for show. We talk about events coming up. We've got some big things. One, of course, the grand opening of Kid Ventures coming soon. We, do we have a hard date on that yet? No, I can tell you that the pool uh, pump house and everything should be through by tomorrow morning. They will hand the key over to our IT department and the cameras should be here. They've been difficult to get and then we will have all of the cameras in place. That should probably take a week. So we're getting closer, but until we get to that final date. But I'd say we're, we're, we're within a two-week So two before week Labor time. Day? Before, oh, well before Labor Day. Well before Labor Day. And also, just before Labor Day, got Jamie Johnson and Blackberry, Blackberry Smoke. That's one of the biggest acts we've had out there in a while. Yes, and it will also be the premiere of our new band shell, which we think will eventually pay for itself by allowing us to bring in bigger and better concerts. Because, you know, you could get away with a lot of things back in the day, putting up a stage, and here we are at Woodstock. But now you have to have a little higher level to attract higher level entertainment. And I think the fact that we have that is helping us already, and I think it's going to help us because right now we have that. We have Celebrate Anderson with Greg Morgan, and then we are also having a Travis Tritt and several other people. In the past, we probably had to go look for people. Now we're getting on people's radar and said, you know, I might like to come play there. And yeah. People don't realize this, but when these people go on tour, a lot of times they like to tour but they like to say, let's play Asheville tonight, a good stop would be Anderson, then we're going on to Atlanta or we're going to Columbia. And so when you get, get your head out of the mud and they say, hey, we can do this, we can do this. And we've also attracted uh, some new promoters who are interested in the Anderson area and they appear to be well financed, so we're happy about that. So a lot of shows, had any Christmas shows planned yet? Not at this point, not at this point. Okay. Other thing, um, you, you mentioned uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on. Um, next week, the, the Fountain returns. The Fountain, the Anderson iconic 1905 Fountain will return to the Anderson County Museum. It actually snuck into town yesterday, and we have been rewiring it and replumbing it and getting it all fixed up. And Tuesday at five o'clock, we will crank it up and let it go. We're gonna have a brief ceremony at five o'clock and it will be back in action. It's been in the same place that the Hunley was restored. So it's had its salt, salt leaching bath and every other scientific thing you can do. So hopefully it will be good for another hundred years because this was an expensive but thorough, thorough restoration that needed to be done in order to keep it. The only thing that we don't have, we may not have by that time, we might be one cherub short. One cherub short. Requires <laughs> We've had that problem in the county for a while, but... <laughs> but, 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 but the chair may be there in time, but if not, we're going to go ahead and do it. Do you think that, that I know this is, this is just, you know, kind of vision casting, but will there ever be another fountain downtown here? Well, I certainly hope so. I certainly hope there'll be a fountain. I hope there'll be two fountains downtown. I hope it'll just be a fantastic 
fantasy world downtown, and I think that's going to happen. So and this I is think depends on the new what we do with the property back there. It right? depends on what's going to happen on that property. It depends on what's going to happen to all of this property around here. That's going to dictate it. We're starting to get development on the side streets off of Main Street, which is significant. Then you start creating districts. And so we're looking forward to that. We're looking That's for fairly the, new development too, isn't it? Yes, and we're looking for the synergy that those places will provide. People always say, you know, well, we got one restaurant. You put two restaurants, you're going to get more people. Not because they're two restaurants. You got more options. The more you do, you just got to have critical mass, and that's that's what that's what's happening in Anderson. It, it's already happened in Pendleton. You can see it wide open in Williamson. Uh, you can see the early beginnings in, in, in Piedmont and Belton's going and all the other towns are things are starting to perk. I think we're going to have a great vibrant county and filled with great vibrant towns not like a lot of other places where you go to. And you were mentioning little towns I mean and it may be a little early to talk about this but you're still trying to get funding to move the library downtown in Iva? Yes. Uh, thanks to Senator Mike Gambrell and Representative Jay West and Representative Greg Gagnon, we were able to get special funding in the state budget, a half million dollars. And so we're trying to work with the library, work with the town of Iva, and work with the school district in order to, A, allow the school district to consolidate all of their operations there, which would be good economically for Iva, but we also think having a library on Main Street in Iva would also be good because this is going to increase pedestrian traffic and bring more business downtown. You go get a book, you go get a taco, you get a milkshake, things like that. So trying to create that that mass that I keep talking about. And we're talking about busy. Uh, farmer's market's been in full swing, had good crowds on the weekends and stuff. I know you get tired of me asking you this. Any chance to get one downtown this year or are we still a year off or I'm something? I'm still fighting with Sharon Nicometto, the farm manager to get one downtown. But they're having, having good crowds and good we're participation great, from farmers we're, we're and, great and craftsmen and stuff. And, and, and everybody seems to be supporting it. I mean, last Saturday there was no place to park there or nearby, and that's exactly what you want to see. Because that's good for our local farmers, it's good for us, and we're seeing a lot of younger farmers coming out there, and we really like that. And we're seeing younger craftsmen and it's just a great place to be. If you don't know where it is, you need to go there on a Saturday or a Tuesday or a Thursday. And more times than not, we'll have a local food truck out there, things like that. So, And summer tomatoes are there too. That's why everybody's crowding in. I, I have three that came from there this morning. And so you think Sharon would let me sell jars of Duke's mayonnaise out of my trunk out there as people were I coming I think out? she would let you sell white bread and Duke's mayonnaise <laughs> out the trunk. Uh, another announcement was recent was next year's college bass championships coming to Green Pine. Uh, you remember what else is going to be at Green Pine next year? There's so many tournaments out there. I'm losing track. Well, that's coming. That's coming up here in August. Right. And we just completed one of the most successful events that we've had in Anderson County. We had the state Dixie Youth Tournament out at the Civic Center, and they had the softball at Parker Bowie. On average, every hotel room. We have around 2,400 hotel rooms in Anderson County. Last week, because of those two events, the one that at the Civic Center that we partnered with Belton and the one at Parker Bowie, we were having to send people to Hartwell and Clemson to find a place to stay. And you could see them everywhere all around town. It's being 
a former coach and follower with my daughter. I mean, you can just, you can spot them when you see them, you know who they are. But it was wonderful to go out to the Civic Center this weekend and see people from Muck's Corner and St. George and, and Beaufort and all around the uh, state of South Carolina having a big time and raving about the facility, raving about the location and the things to do. Uh, they had a great time and now we're following up really within the next two weeks with the Dixie Youth World Series and we expect to have another great crowd but from other states and other things like that. So it's going to be great and it's going to bring a lot more money into Anderson. If you try to go out to eat somewhere and that tournament lasted Friday night it started. Saturday, Sunday, uh, Monday was the final game on Monday, excuse me, Tuesday. And so it was really good. We dodged all the bad weather. Todd McCormick, Joey Lance from Belton, and the staff of the Anderson County Convention and Visitors Center Bureau did a fantastic and wonderful job making all that happen. And I'm talking about that was an economic shot in the arm. You don't get a lot of tourism dollars in the dead of summer, okay? But this did. And in the, the World Series was. Yeah, I was going to say the World Series was multiple states bringing people in yep. through. So you'll yep. see those big crowds coming in too. <laughs> Uh, and that kind of plays into what we were talking about. We'll get back to Green Pond in a minute, but uh, but since last time we met, Anderson was named one of the best places to retire again. That seems to come out every year. We and I think that's that the third time within the space of a year that we're one of the best places to retire. And I think that's absolutely wonderful. We're also one of the best places to come here and start your career and work and stay here the whole time and retire in place. You don't have to move anywhere. So, I mean, it's, it, it's all right here. And it's continuing to grow. And the development of the lake's been a big part of that, right? Well, Green Pond's done more than people will ever know to put us on the map nationally. They, you just don't understand it until you talk to somebody, you happen to have a Green Pond shirt on or something like that, and you're way away and they go, that's, that's where they have Bassmasters. Or, My kid was there and he fished in the uh, high school tournament. It's, it's just, it really helps us out with getting our name out. And you say, well, who in the heck cares you getting your name out? Well, that brings people to move into Anderson. It helps us attract businesses, it attracts industry, it attracts, uh, helps attract bright people to Anderson University, uh, Clemson University. I mean, you know, all of this we showcase this. People don't realize that they're in a really, really good spot. And you and I are lucky we don't have to go move to some place to retire because we're already one of the 10 places to retire in the country. And you've told me before that when y'all talk to somebody from France or from Oregon, one of the top things they're looking for is quality of life and things quality, to do. Quality of life is everything. Quality of life rules. People don't go where there's nothing to do. We need things to do. We need more things to do. We need to continue to develop our trail system. We need to continue to do that. I pray one day that we'll be able to link it to Pendleton, which therefore links it to Clemson. I'm very excited about the idea of us running that trail on the old Pendleton. Piedmont Northern, or poor and needy as they called it, all the way from here by AU, by land the city owns, all the way to Belton. Duke still owns the right of way. There's some issues to work out. It's expensive to do. I was in Honey Path last week working on the Shakola Mill project with the mayor and Senator Gambrell and uh, Cindy Wilson. And the big thing, you know, they want to be connected too. Everybody wants to be connected. And so you say, well, that's just crazy and it doesn't mean anything. Well, Go look at Traveler's Rest. I was going to say, it sounds expensive to you. Obviously, obviously means something there, you know. 
and then people itself and then some. And people say, I don't want a trail running by my house. And up there they advertise, we're on the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Boom, there goes the price. So it's all a mix. It's all, it's algebra, geometry, chemistry, trying to put all these places to work. One of the things too, the FedEx finally made it official that they're opening that center. Um, Explain to people why we're so excited about 12 jobs, because it sounds like Because not it's not 12 jobs. Whenever we do a fee and lieu agreement, you have to tell us how many jobs you're going to create. You have to tell us how much you're going to pay them. You have to tell us those benefits, and you have to tell us what your capital investment is. We just don't do fee and lieu because we think it's a good idea. If it's good for Anderson County, the council will do one. But it's really a whole lot more because they're going to bring people in from all all these other places to work at that FedEx facility. So while they'll meet their quota, their guarantee to us of 12 jobs, there are going to be many more jobs at FedEx over there. So we're excited about that. That's going to be very helpful. We are a manufacturing center. Upstate's a manufacturing center. We're probably more of a manufacturing center than just about any other place, size-wise, relatively speaking. But we're also ideal for distribution, and anybody can see that. Just look at the map. <coughs> there's Charlotte, there's Atlanta. Bing, where can I go? You can go right here. And logistics-wise, uh, and they talk about they're putting a logistics center in, it's your environmental impact's not as much as if somebody came in and had to. No, they're on a computer. Go to Charlotte. Go to Pelion. You know, that's what that does. It's, it's good, clean jobs. And part of that is having a good airport, and I know the airport, since last time we met, announced they got federal funds to get new hangars. They'll, they're going to save them until they have enough, and why do they need new hangars, and how will this help Anderson Because we airport? have a waiting list for T-hangers, we have a waiting list for hangars. We have people who are desperate to put their airplane at that airport. Brett Garrison, our airport manager, is doing an outstanding job. But the expense to build those hangars is tremendous in the payback. So because of this special money, it's going to allow us, and we can save it up, and then we can build them. But we also have an offer, a contract where you can go build your own hangar, and after 25 years, it reverts to us, but it's a good deal for you because the lease rate's low, but we get a hangar out of it. So we've got a couple of those working right now. And a couple of other things working in How our favor. the playground out there, yeah. Playground, we have $150,000 collected. We need $350,000 to do it, and it will be ADA accept accessible. We're hoping that we can round up some more money. We know where some more money is, and we're still hunting to put that together. The uh, talking about funding, federal funding. Any any uh, news on when that art money is going to start coming in? <coughs> Starting. I mean, really, you can start applying just about now. And so we have many different grant applications going out. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for this money pouring out of Washington. And so we intend to grab every penny of it that we can. And what it's kind of things can that be used for? Yeah, I was going to say. It can be used for sewer. It can be used for roads. It can be used for libraries. It can be used for airports. We just talked about uh, a whole list of things that can be used for. It can be used for social service activities. Uh, so. Whatever is out there that we have a need for, we're going to apply for. Any update on Equinox on where we're at on that site? We're looking, site? looking to close out on that. Very interesting. Uh, the old Chemtex property, uh, that was closed about two weeks ago. So you should see some development out of the developers from Charleston on that property. Equinox should be just right about in the same time. Uh, we've had some good interest on 
the mill in Honeyapath, South Carolina. Uh, that's livelying up. We've had interest in some mills in Belton, South Carolina. Uh, everywhere there's a mill, there's interest, and we have uh, a lot of developers that are looking for those properties, for the tax credits and things like that. So there's unique funding for those mill sites. It's right? unique. It's textile tax credits, abandoned uh, property credits, and then there are also housing credits. You try to put those together because some of those places you wouldn't touch with an 11-foot pole unless you had that incentive to do that. But some really neat plans, some mixed-use plans. I wish everything was done today. I, I'm anxious, I'm impatient, but I, I know it's coming and I see it happening. Uh, what about, you've seen emergency preparedness now has two new programs. One is for special needs. Yeah, very, very proud of our, our emergency services division. Uh, Shaggy, Joshua Hawkins has done a great job. And now we, if you have special needs, we can note that and it really helps locate people faster. Uh, always trying to stay on, on the cutting edge of what we can do to help the citizens. But I congratulate <coughs> Director Hawkins and all of those people for running with that. Also, uh, our EMS system is continuing to perform wonderfully well. I think uh, you can see a big difference and I think the quality of care is, uh, is really good and we still don't have any problem finding paramedics and everybody else does. So and, I'm happy about that. And I know Josh Hawkins had talked about taking it further and working with Scott Stoller and Wes Pelzer about autistic, the autistic program Absolutely. he's got going as a model program. Absolutely. And um, the Pendleton Police Department has been through mental health training and there really is a sensitivity to this. And also the, the emergency preparedness is doing the new alert system. The old one had kind of petered out a little bit. This one. Yeah, but this one's, this one's Cracker Jack. And if you, if you aren't signed up for it, you need to get on it. And there'll be a limited number of radios for people who don't have other forms to be alerted to yes, for that yes. one. Uh, any other talks with groups about the elephant pen before? I mean, where, where's the grass coming? How is we looking on that? Uh, that'll be through by August. The grass will be. That'll in. be a huge difference. Well, it'll be a remarkable difference to get that fence down and put that down there. But just as we're getting this done, we're getting more interest from developers. But that's all right. It all works out. Right. It all works out. So there are some more people coming into the... Yeah, people are very interested. I mean, there, there's so many jobs here. There's so many opportunities, so many people moving here. I mean, some of the things our companies are doing would just make you, make you go crazy. We're also working with Duke Energy to put, you know, charging stations at the library in Belton. We're working on that, trying to put one out at uh, our TTI, the old TTI 1428. Hopefully, in two or three weeks, our shop, our brand new state-of-the-art shop will be open. We're very pleased that Tri-County Tech was able to secure funding for that old trucking place near their campus. And they're going to put an automotive service center there. And hopefully they're going to become a place where people who work on Nissans and Toyotas and everything can actually do the training here and not go to Atlanta and Charlotte. We're already talking with Tri-County Tech about apprenticeships with our fleet management group so we can actually get some of the students, put them to work on county vehicles under supervision of our mechanics. And it's just, it's gonna be a great symbiotic relationship between the two. So that's gonna help them and it's gonna help us. And there's also gonna be another asset in uh, Anderson County. Any other economic development uh, announcements coming between now and August? Uh, should be, and we've got some very exciting projects, cutting edge projects that any place, including Silicon Valley, including any other 
uh, North Carolina Triangle, any of those places would die to have. And so we're working diligently to, to make those things happen. <coughs> we know some of them are going to happen. We're just not at liberty to announce right now. Uh, some of the things over at our incubator at 1428, the old TTI building, those people are growing. Pretty soon they're going to outgrow us, which the whole purpose was for them to get established, to outgrow us, and then go build a building here in Anderson County. So all of it's coming together. I mean, council's got 55,000 things on their plate trying to do this. But the most exciting thing tomorrow is the jail. And at 10 o'clock tomorrow, which is a public meeting, we're going to have the first meeting of the Anderson County Detention Facilities Group. And they will begin, A, tomorrow they will pick officers, learn the bylaws, <coughs> all of the ropes, <coughs> and then their job will be to, A, what do you want in the jail? You know, a jail is not a jail. It is what you make it. And I'm sure Anderson County doesn't want to build another one in 100 years. So what can you do to cut down on recidivism and the design of the jail? What can you do to help with the mental health crisis that's out of control? What can you do by building a jail that would help that? What can you do to speed up the time you spend in jail? Some people need to spend a lot of time in jail. Some people just need to, <coughs> hey, you got caught, you got punished. You need to go on, don't do this again. Do you put a courtroom out there? That's what that committee is charged with, with doing. And the financing for that is going to come. We've paid off debt. And so this is, the jail will not cause a tax increase. And it's caused, cost, it took some time to get there by paying that debt off to allow us to do this. And you're looking at 60 to $65 million to build this jail. But when it's built, it will be there and people that work there, the detention officers who we worry about every day are going to have a safer place to work. And always remember, 80-90% of those people out of that jail hadn't even been to trial. They're just sitting there waiting to go to trial. So How that's fast gonna, can it be built? Uh, if it's built in 28 months, it would be a miracle. Speed of this committee. Within five years, though? Oh, easily within five years. Better be four years, less than four years. I'm hoping three years is on the outside. And where at? Where's it going to be? Exactly Same where the side? county jail yeah. is now. So we're not going around trying to find a, to put a jail in anybody's backyard. Well, as we talk, we are 130 days from the unofficial lighting of the Anderson County Christmas tree. And uh, you still haven't given me a figure on how much it's going to grow this year. Do you have an estimate? I don't know because of atmospheric conditions, how it is. But we've had a lot of rain lately, so that should help it grow just a little new, bit more. New ornaments, new lights, anything else new? Oh, we always have to, you know, after four or five years, you have to spruce up the lights. And is there going to be a committee for that, too? No, there ain't no committee for that. No committee for that? There's no committee for that. Right. We'll catch up in August. The elves take care of that. As we get closer to the end of the summer and I continue to talk to the county's educational leaders, it is a reminder that some teachers are already working to get their classrooms ready for the upcoming school year and all teachers report here in a couple of weeks. Anderson County School District 4 Superintendent D. Christopher is finishing up his first full year as head of the district, although he's no stranger. He was raised in Anderson County by another superintendent and he knows the area well. But he said that planning ahead and for the expected rapid growth in Pendleton along with upgrading security at the schools are among the top things in his agenda for the upcoming school year. All right, you were finishing up your first full year here. One, and, one full year, how about that? And um, what, what have you seen as um, some of your biggest challenges here this past school year? I know COVID was still hanging on. 
Yeah, COVID was was obviously uh, on the forefront for us, starting in I guess August or so. You know, July, late July, early August, we had we had plans, um, had to had to adjust uh, pretty quickly, uh, get us into school, get us started, and we made it through till about October with with issues. A lot of students out, a lot of teachers out, a lot of uh, staff members out. Um, we struggled at times in September, especially. Uh, had a good rest of October, November, December. Started coming back, and then January was really difficult. Uh, those first two weeks back after Christmas were were a challenge. Uh, really, luckily, we had a snowstorm uh, the week of Martin Luther King Day, and uh, we were in school one of those four days that week. And that really helped us out. And after that, um, early February, we were we were really in pretty good shape going through the rest of the year. We we still had some here and there, but as as quarantining rules went away, um, we really were able to keep kids in school um, a lot better. So we were happy about that and got through the end of the year. Did all of our our, our big things, our awards days, returned to our elementary and middle schools and. Uh, in high school, and and uh, you know we had prom and uh, awards days and uh, graduation, uh, so uh, we were able to do all those things that felt kind of normal, uh, really for the first time since the spring of 2019. Clubs and all were back in clubs. Place. Clubs going. We we started doing some field trips during the second semester, um, m certainly more than we had been doing. Uh, so. So we expect in, in August to be um, back to as normal as possible. We had three months of it uh, at the end of the school year. Uh, we do know that you know there's concern for uh, the, the latest variant that's um, hitting some places pretty hard right now. So uh, we'll, we'll wait and see, but I, but I don't anticipate, uh, or I do anticipate us being uh, in a normal, operating mode to be in the school year. Did it impact scores at all? Are scores okay? We actually don't have our scores from uh, oh, that's right. from the Literally. from the spring yet. Um, our our data showed a ton of growth for our students. Um, on we do map testing um, third grade through ninth grade and we showed growth across the board for our students. Um, whether it was enough to get them to you know, being proficient or whatever, um, you know, we don't we don't know that yet. So we'll we'll get this data sometime later in the summer uh, from our state testing, and we'll we'll see where we are and we'll adjust. Uh, you know, the the ESSER money has helped uh, specifically last year with uh, additional interventionists in our in all three levels of our schools. Uh, so we were able to do small group stuff, individual stuff. Um, with students in reading, math, writing, uh, all those things. So that was a big help. Uh, it was a challenge for schools to schedule it and uh, things like that, but uh, that was a big help. Um, and we will keep those interventionists uh, at least through the next two years um, with that ESSER funding that we have. So we're excited about that. You've been in education a long time. I know you've got some, some veteran teachers. How has all this uncertainty affected that? Has it affected teacher recruitment? Any of these other things? This. So we 
one thing with recruitment, we got out earlier uh, with recruiting teachers than we probably ever have. Uh, probably mid-February, we were looking for teachers for this school year. Uh, we're still short a couple that came up late um, in May and early June. Um, so we've got a couple of positions that we're still looking for um, in some critical needs areas. Uh, for instance, one of them is a special ed teacher um, that we're looking for. So, um, but what we did on the front end in mid-February, mid our board was very supportive of us going ahead before we even knew uh, about budget and things of that nature to replace people who were leaving, retiring, uh, and we actually added positions this year um, for the first time in a few years. So uh, we were able to get a lot of folks on board really by the end of March um, for the coming year. And um, we're, in, we're in good shape. We feel, we feel good about where we are with teachers. Um, you know, we've, we've struggled with some staff members um, finding them, uh, bus drivers, custodians, um, teaching assistants, things of that nature. Um, but everybody. I was going to say, that's a is, universal. Yeah, everybody's dealing with uh, work, worker shortages um, out there. And, that, and that's fine. But we've, we've got really good, dedicated teachers. And I know everybody kind of says that. Anderson 4 is such a small little place. Um, you know, the people here like this small environment. They like their schools small. The teachers love their small schools. Our principals are outstanding. Um, so I, I'm, I feel like I'm the beneficiary of something really, really good going on here. And it's because we've got such great people. How many students, you got much growth coming in in the fall or? So we'll, we'll talk about growth. We don't know. Don't know. We don't know. We, we expect to grow. Um, we've got a, we've got a chart showing the next seven to 10 years of but growth. Roughly y'all got how many students? Uh, roughly about 2,900. Um, and right now that's where we started last year. Uh, we expect to in August by about the 10th day. And that's where we're going to start, uh, that's our marker, 10th day, um, going forward. We'll see some growth probably, I would say, 30 to 80 students district-wide. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that, that goes. So that is going to start affecting us soon. You know, Anderson 4 has not been uh, over 3,000 students, I don't think, ever. Uh, and we're going to push that this year, I think. Um, Pendleton High School has never been 900 or more, and we're going to push uh, up to 900 this year uh, at Pendleton High. So um, the growth is going to affect us. You know, I've, I've spent some time this summer um, with county and town planners uh, about housing units going in in, in our district. Uh, we did a big enrollment study last fall. We knew of all that. Uh, coming then, and it's doubled since last October. So we've got 2,200 housing units, apartments, townhouses, single-family homes coming uh, in the next three to five years in our district that that are approved. Uh, there's there's others that are not approved yet that are that are coming as well. So um, we know that we're going to get some growth. We just don't know. We, we have no basis for it. Um, we have no historical context to look at, at percentages of growth. So 
in my mind, we're going to start growing about two to three percent, um, and in a couple of years, that'll ramp up a little bit more, I think. So, but we're planning for that. I've got a uh, long-range facility plan uh, that we will uh, begin to roll out in September uh, to the public, um, to our families and community. Um, so our school board will hear some options going forward for a 10-year facility plan. Uh, that's, that's one of the talks in the community. What, what are the schools going to do? What are y'all going to do? All these houses being built. And uh, so we've got a 10-year plan that we'll have in effect. Um, and our community is going to be really important for that because, you know, the 10-year maintenance plan, that's, that's one thing. We'll, we can take care of that. That's roofs and HVACs and flooring and uh, painting and, and things taking care of buildings. We can handle that. What we can't handle is if we, right now, is if we have a big influx of students where we've got to do something facility-wise. Um, and so I anticipate that um, in the future, in the next uh, 18 months to two years. Uh, to have to, to have to ask uh, for for a lot of input. I'll actually start asking for input this fall um, from our families. What do we What do we do? What do you want to see us do? Um, you know, our grade strands right now are K six, seven, eight, nine, twelve. Um, you know, I don't know. Do we look at K five to open up some room in our elementary schools? Um, there, there's a lot of things that we we need to do. Our high school is going to be uh, overcrowded soon um, as well. We know that Riverside Middle School has only, you know, we can only put two grades there uh, because of the size of that facility. So we've got some conversations to have over the next uh, six to 18 months to, to kind of narrow our, our focus down on what, what we're gonna, what we would like to be able to do. Um, and our community is gonna be really important in that. Well, that brings, I'm going to go ahead and jump to that, it brings to mind budgets. Uh, that's, that's a lot of money to try to come up with in budget, and it's right. been a while since y'all done any sort of bonding or raising money or anything. Well, the, the referendum, the last referendum that was passed was 05, 06. That's the one that built Mount Lebanon Elementary School. Right. Wow, I didn't um, think it was that long ago. That's yeah, almost that, 20 years uh, ago. That, uh, I think that school opened in 07, um, and that restructured our grade structure to K-6. Um, and then like we have now. So uh, that was the last time we passed a referendum. And 15 years ago, things are a little bit more expensive now. Uh, they're more expensive than they were a year and a half ago, uh, as we all know. Um, so that's, you know, yeah, that's a, that's a big concern of ours is how do we, how do we take care of our students um, with our facilities, take care of the facilities we have, um, but but there's potential for you know a additional wings. I don't I don't want to put mobiles on all of our campus campuses. Um, I don't think our families want mobiles on all of our campuses. So we've we've got uh, a lot of conversation to have over the next little while to 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 see what our direction and what our focus is going to be moving forward. I anticipate in the next five to ten years having um, needing a new facility of some sort. Um, you know, what that is, you know, we're going to need a lot of input from the community. And state law 388 kind of limits what y'all can do. I mean, we can, we can go to, um, we can borrow up to 8% of our uh, property value uh, in the district. And so we are, we are doing that. That's part of our, our maintenance plan, especially for big 
purchases. You know, we're we're in good shape right now with roofs, for instance. Um, previous superintendents did a good job of preparing and and planning for and then paying for uh, roofs and HVACs and and uh, paving things of that nature. Things that people um, don't think about when they think people, about that's schools. Right, that's exactly right. Yeah, those those things that uh, if they go wrong. <laughs> You're going to hear about them, uh, but uh, you've you've got to be able to keep up with those things, and it it's pretty pricey to put a new roof on a new on a you know 150,000 square foot facility. So uh, we're in good shape with those right now, but we won't be in 10 years. So uh, same thing with HVACs. Um, we've done a lot of just in the last two or three years in our elementary and middle school, uh, done a lot of new air conditioning heat units. So uh, we're in good shape for now, but in 10 to 15 years, we won't be. So we can, we can do some things with uh, general obligation bonds, and we do that every year. Um, we're not tapping 8% of our, our value, um, but we're, getting, we're, we're doing 4 to 5% now um, to take care of some of those bigger projects. The one cent sales tax, helps out. The one cent sales tax has put in uh, brand new state-of-the-art um, playgrounds at every one of our elementary schools. We're finalizing the last one this, this summer down at Pendleton Elementary, the kindergarten playground down there, finishing it up. So that's something for the next 15 years or so is going to be in great shape uh, for our kids at, at our elementary schools. Uh, but that's, that's just one example of what one cent sales tax has done um, here, uh, as well as helping us out with debt service, um, you know, I think 20% of our of our one cent goes specifically to debt service to help reduce taxes of our property owners, um, and that's been you know that's been helpful. And things like health insurance and fuel costs and and increased labor costs put a strain on school budgets in ways people don't think about. I think 18.1% increase in health insurance for our portion, school district's portion this year. That is a, as you can imagine, a considerable number um, to raise those rates 18% at one time. And so uh, we, you know, we planned for that. We tried to plan for that. Uh, we tried to beg, don't do this to us. <laughs> it, it was done anyway, that's, and that's fine. Um, but that's a, you know, that's a big hit. Um, the cost of, of uh, you know, just, just salaries of, Employees, um, you know, we've we've had to do some things uh, with our budget currently that uh, make us competitive with those around us, and maybe put us in better position than than those around us, um, so that we can attract the best of the best in our in our region. Um, I'm I'm really excited about what we've been able to do with our budget. Our budget fully was targeted toward. Uh, taking care of our people uh, because our people take care of our kids and if we can uh, we can help them in a time of uh, the worst inflation in over 40 years um, then I'm I'm really happy to be able to do that and so we're able to do that for our employees this year uh, with our budget and I'm you know I'm just ecstatic about it so um, there was there was a lot of talk this spring, you know, adjusting formulas and, you know, new funding processes for the state and all that. Uh, we, we ended up being okay 
um, with that. Although, um, Greg, we get the, the least amount of state dollars in the county um, percentage-wise. We get 65% of every dollar. We don't get 100%. Um, and so, you know, that, that has to come from, from somewhere for us. It comes from, um, from local revenue. Um, that's one good thing about growth um, is that as more people move in, more people are paying automobile taxes. That's a place where uh, we, we get a, a good portion of our budget from. I say a good portion. We get a, we get a good portion of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think all of it kind of works together. We're in probably as good a financial shape right now as this district has, has been in some time. We've got a healthy fund balance in case things really go off a cliff. Um, but I feel good about our direction. Um, we're very healthy. Our school board, our chief financial officer have done a great job with uh, really stewarding taxpayers' money for years and years and years. And, and so um, I feel great about where we are financially uh, in the district. Are there any upgrades or improvements that students and teachers will notice coming back in the fall for this coming school year? So one of the, one of the things that they're going to see in five of our six schools, um, Townville had this done several years ago, uh, but we're doing some new um, security and safety things in our front offices at our schools um, that limit access to the entire school facility. Um, that, that'll be, everybody will see that. You know, when they walk in their school and they walk in those front offices, they'll say, okay, this is different. Um, and it is about security and safety of our students. Um, we're doing a lot of work with, as you can imagine, uh, safety and security this, uh, this summer, um, making sure our plans are up to date. We're going to have SLED come in in, the spring, in, in September. They're going to do walkthroughs. They're going to help give us some recommendations on additional things that we can do to make our facilities even more secure. And you know that over, over the past five years, we've spent a great deal of money on safety and security in our district to make our, our schools as safe as, as they possibly can be. So that's one thing. Um, you know, Otherwise, we, we did a lot of painting this summer. We'd put off painting for several years. Um, so we've got a lot of classrooms that got painted. We got a lot of hallways. So there's a, a freshening up of, of some some things as well. I'm going to miss something. Um, Any athletic upgrades at all? Or? We, we, we did some new turf in the middle of the football field, the uh, middle stripe of the, the football field. Uh, we, have a, uh, we have a hope for uh, cost analysis has got to come in, but we are, we are planning on, um, if the board approves, uh, probably September or so, uh, we're, we're planning to build a new baseball and softball complex um, to the, I would, I would guess that's to the south of the uh, campus off Bosco Bell. Uh, so that's something to bring those two facilities up to date um, and also give us some room uh, where the baseball field currently sits, give us some room for parking. Uh, that's, a, that's a need, especially on Friday nights in the fall and, and big events at the high school uh, we've we've got cars parked all up and down 187, and, and it's just it's not the safest thing. So we want to get some more parking on campus, um, and so hopefully we'll we'll be breaking ground on that sometime in the fall. Uh, 
got my fingers crossed on that. Uh, we've we've got the design done. We've got it all done. We've just got to got to figure out the cost. Um, anything academically that people will notice that may have changed or upgraded or you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in doing what we do best and continue doing it um, as best we can. As I said, the interventionist mattered this year. Uh, we think that that'll that's going to continue for the next couple of years. Um, you know, really and truly, it is it is doing the work that teachers do best and giving them time um, to do the things that they do best. They've had in the last two and a half years have been such a struggle. Um, and we had some good, you know, we had some good times in there, and we had to be really flexible and have a lot of grace and um, all that. I, I, I'm excited about just getting back to what our teachers do best and doing it without a lot of interruptions. Um, that, to me, is going to make uh, as big a difference as it as we as we can imagine. Uh, we are also um, at the beginning of focusing on STEAM. Uh, throughout the district, we've been had some portions here and there, uh, but we've we've got robotics clubs at all five, six of our schools, um, or planning for robotics clubs at all five or six, all, all six of our schools. Um, so that's a you know that's a place where a niche place where some kids can get really interested in uh, science, in math, um, technology. Um, we include the arts in that as well. Uh, because we think the arts are really important. So yeah, those those are those are things that are um, that are big. I will say we've 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 got a uh, alternative program as well. We're moving that alternative program from the the house at Pendleton Elementary, We're moving it to a uh, big space at the high school this year, and that is for students who are um, have attendance issues, grade issues, or behavior issues that don't need to go to Renaissance Academy for an extended period of time. Uh, it's a shorter placement for us where we can kind of get them straight, um, get them some counseling uh, services. Doing it at the high school kind of opens that up a little bit more for uh, our guidance counselors or mental health administrators at the high school to be able to help out with, uh, with those students. So I'm excited about that. We have a new uh, director of student services here at the district. Um, Jeff Boozer, who was our middle school principal for the last five or six years, uh, is coming over to do that. So he's going to be doing a lot of student service work uh, in our district, working with families, working with guidance counselors, uh, things of that nature. Uh, oh, we've hired a new mental health counselor as well. Um, the governor's push probably in December for uh, more mental health. We're still contracting with AOP. Uh, mental health services and the county board has uh, mental health services, but we were able to hire our own mental health counselor in-house that'll really help coordinate and communicate with um, county board, uh, AOP, schools, district. We're, we we feel like we're going to do a much better job of, of coordinating our mental health efforts uh, with a new person. And um, our director of special services, Dr. Simmons, Dr. Clarity, our HR uh, director, and Mr. Boozer will all have uh, portions of of that um, as well. So uh, we're excited. We're excited about that. Um, last year, we added in a behavior specialist. Um, 
that was a godsend for our schools uh, at the beginning of you know, year three of a pandemic. Um, and so we're, we're excited about continuing uh, with, with her work as well. How about the continued growth of Anderson Institute of Technology and your work with students there? So our, uh, our students, student numbers continue to grow there. Um, you know, it, what, what a difficult time to open, 1920. Uh, in the spring of 20, bam, we, we closed down. Uh, and then two pandemic years uh, as well. So we're, we're continuing to encourage our students um, to get there and to take advantage of those opportunities. Uh, we're not where we want to be um, with our number of students, but we're getting there. Um, we can have about 14% of the, slot, the spots, and um, we're, we're about 12, 12.5%, I think, now. So we're, we're getting there. Um, and they do a they do a great job. Communication between AIT and Pendleton High School and the district have been really good um, over the last year and a half or so. So I'm I'm very pleased. And what a what a great facility for our students to have an opportunity to um, to learn in. Um, you know, Anderson University is using it as part of their new engineering program. Um, you know, I just I, it's a remarkable place and a community win. Um, for the three districts that are that are served by AIT, is dual enrollment growing too? We're no, not really. It's kind of flat right now. Um, it's difficult to find teachers, right? It, it is. It is, and and I mean, there's there's just challenges all around, and the fact that we're uh, Pendleton High School has historically been an advanced placement school. We have 15 or 16 offerings of advanced placement courses. Uh, that takes away from some of our dual credit um, as well. And so we're, we will look this year, and we're actually fixing to go through, fixing to. I sound like a country boy, don't I? Well, you're from, you're from here. We're I'm from, from here. I'm, I'm from around here. You sound we're, like where you're from. That's right. We're, we're going to go through a strategic planning uh, update in the next year and a half. So everything's kind of on the board when you, when you do that five-year plan uh, for accreditation. But... Um, everything will be in, and that we'll be we'll be looking at to see what we need to do. Do we need to scale back on some things? Do we need to promote other things? Um, you know what what I really want, Greg, is I want us to help our kids and our and our families. I, w I want them to be able to dream big, and we need to be able to help educate them about what dreaming big means because it's not the same thing for every kid. Um, you know, some of our kids are, are gonna go and, and, gosh, I hope they go work at Arthrex for 30 years because what a great company, what a great facility right here in the heart at, at Michelin or at Sunbrell or at Millican or places like that. But some of them are gonna go work at, some of them are gonna find a career at Bucky's. But there's gonna be others that find a career by going to tech and, and learning a trade um, or preparing for what their uh, next step is that way. Some of our kids are going to go to four years and they're going to get a uh, you know, professional degree and, and be engineers and lawyers and doctors and nurses and uh, everything in between and teachers, teachers, teachers. We want to be teachers. Um, so we want to provide those opportunities and, and get them to know uh, what those opportunities are uh, right here but, but outside of of Anderson 4 as well. 
Um, so I just I want I want our kids to to learn to dream big, um, and I want I want them to be able to achieve what their dreams are. So that's that's our that's our focus um, for our students. So I'm I'm really excited about the future. I I think I as I said I'm I really feel like the beneficiary of uh, of a of a school district that is uh, one of the best in the state, and I get to be the superintendent here, and really it's about the people that are doing all the work that are making it what it is. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Meanwhile, over at Tri-County Technical College, they're marking their 60th year of service to the community, and President Galen DeHay has been a part of that history for more than 20 of those years, and he talked to me about this past year and the school year ahead in our interview. The Tri-County Tech is celebrating 60 years, I mean. It's hard to believe, a 60th year anniversary. Opened in 1962, and 60 years later, located in all three service area counties with three community campuses, our Pendleton campus and uh, centers and quick job centers located all throughout the area. So it's a, an amazing history and an amazing partnership with our three counties. And you've been a part of that history for a long time. Yeah, uh, finishing up my 23rd year and just finished up my third year as president. And uh, it's been a fun ride. A lot of that's been COVID time, but uh, we've learned a lot and been able to do some great things in the community despite uh, this global pandemic. Well, just since you started here 23 years ago, what are some of the real significant changes you've witnessed while you were here? So over that time, we've been able to expand and offer community campuses in Anderson County first, uh, then second and easily in the Powdersville area, and then most recently in Oconee County. Those campuses continue to thrive and grow. We were just at a, an event at the Anderson campus inviting community members in, in particular from uh, communities that we can increase in uh, access and service to and had a great turnout this just this past week. Um, I've been really proud to see how Tri-County's workforce mission has grown. Uh, the addition of the Industrial Technology Center where welding and CNC operations are located and uh, the partnerships with business and industry and economic development that have helped the area communities thrive. And then, of course, uh, seeing the relationships with Clemson University, Southern Wesleyan, and Anderson University grow, of course, the Bridge to Clemson program uh, being added uh, almost 18 or 19 years ago, and uh, how that program has grown to over 1,050 students this year. Has the, the overall focus shifted in the last few decades or you're still staying right in the same focus? I think our focus has continued to expand, but we still stay uh, uh, focused on serving our communities, finding new and different ways to reach out to our communities and fulfill our workforce mission. That's what we're here for is to make sure that we provide opportunities for people in our community to have a better life, to uh, start that career, and then to continue to grow uh, throughout their career. And that, that focus has never changed. Even with the new branding that we have that uh, you see behind me uh, that celebrates our, our, this 60th year anniversary and a new look and feel uh, that students had a great uh, deal of input on and uh, helped us select uh, we still stay focused and grounded in the work that we do to help our communities uh, grow and thrive. 
How's the budget looking? Any challenges in the budget this year? <laughs> so uh, the budget, uh, it was an interesting budget year, but we were very grateful uh, that the legislature provided the funding for us to be able to continue our zero cost tuition work. Uh, right now, students or people in our community can attend Tri-County Technical College for zero tuition costs. That started this summer uh, and continues in the fall and very likely in the spring as well. Uh, just as an example, this summer we had a 11% uh, increase in enrollment and we're tracking to have an increase in enrollment for this fall as well. So we're removing that financial barrier to attend college. How many students is that when you say that 10% low? Uh, we have over 3,400 students enrolled this summer. And I wonder what the enrollment was the first year in 1960. Oh my goodness, yeah, we're talking about maybe 100 or so. So talk about an impact on the community. This past year, I think, was for all educators still a little bit of a challenge from the pandemic. How has Tri-County Tech come through the pandemic era here? I think we've learned a lot. Uh, our faculty and staff did an outstanding job at finding new ways to engage students uh, using technology. But one thing that they never uh, wavered from is that personal connection with students. That was something that was very important to them and is very important to our students as well. It's one of the hallmark features of the education that we provide. So uh, they're finding ways to use technology in different ways. Uh, they're finding uh, opportunities to engage differently and provide options for students. And we've learned from that and we continue to grow. Uh, what are some of the goals y'all have set in motion, you and the administration, for the upcoming school year? Uh, so uh, we're focusing on expanding partnerships. We were just out at a, a very large uh, logistics operation yesterday, finding new ways that we can help their employees that they hire up front continue to grow. Uh, so one of our strategies is how we can continue to work with individuals that have come to Tri-County and that are employed in great jobs in our Anderson, Oconee, and Pickens County areas to continue to use the college and the company to continue to use the college so that they can grow throughout their career. So the company gets more value, students have the opportunity to continue to grow and become economically mobile and then our community benefits as a result of that that's one big area that we're focused on let's talk about that a little because you're so close to it and I've, I've been around it a long time a lot of people just sort of have a passing knowledge of Tri-County Tech and they might be watching this thing and like tell me what partnerships tell me why partnerships with industry are so important and how it's different for a technical uh, college than it might be for someone else Yep. So, of course, our, the center of our mission is workforce development. We focus on workforce development by, by providing a very high quality education, and that requires us to be able to be effective is to work with our local business and industry, not just to understand their needs now, but to understand what those needs are going to be in the future, what their planning is. So I get the opportunity to sit down with plant managers, plant directors, CEOs, and talk to them about where they're going and how Tri-County can partner with them to build new opportunities and programs. We're launching a plastics program as a result of some of those discussions this fall uh, and finding ways to train pl uh, plastics technicians as that is a growing uh, area in Anderson County and Oconee County uh, specifically are ways that we can create uh, community advisory boards to continue to learn what needs are, are in the area and connect people with uh, job opportunities. One area that we're really proud of is our outreach to the Hispanic community in particular. 
uh, this past year and how that continues to grow. Holding sessions with communities, uh, connecting employers to those communities has led to a 43% increase in Hispanic student enrollment uh, this summer compared to last summer. And many of those students are enrolled in workforce education job, uh, programs that are gonna lead to family sustaining wages. You've done it in, in targeted areas too. I mean, I think about Arthrex very specifically, you, you went in and you actually reached out to them to get close. And I know Anderson County Administrator Rusty Burns has talked about this is a key uh, part of the uh, industrial recruitment, economic development thing here that you guys are on board with economic development and helping recruit businesses because you can provide them with what they need. Absolutely. We work hand in hand with all of our economic development partners in all three counties uh, from the front end on the recruitment end. Uh, the first question that everybody asks now uh, with the job market the way it is today is where is our workforce coming from? And uh, Anderson County has been extremely successful at recruiting new companies and helping current in, uh, companies to grow. And I think part of the secret sauce of that is our work with uh, the Anderson County Economic Development Office and finding ways that we can continue to serve those businesses and provide programming that meets their needs. And I think the, the benefit for the whole county is, is that a lot of these high-tech industries might not have come here if the Tri-County Tech piece was not in place. Is that right? That's correct. Uh, Arthrex mentioned, for example, when they announced that one of the deciding factors of coming to Anderson County was the presence of Tri-County Technical College, having those CNC training programs, having a workforce uh, technology center, a workforce training center located literally diagonally from their location. Uh, the work that we do with Ready SC, the statewide organization for recruiting and uh, pre-hire training, all of those services we kind of take for granted in the state of South Carolina, but they are very unique uh, across the nation and companies are looking. You mentioned plastics. Are there any other new programs coming this fall? That people... uh, we're expanding programs. We've revitalized and redesigned our mechatronics program. Uh, explain to people what that is because that's a phrase you're familiar with. But a lot absolutely. Of it's a very popular program in our area. Mechatronics. Uh, think about robotics uh, and uh, industrial maintenance and electrical all mixed together into a multi-skilled technician. That's really what mechatronics is all about. Uh, and we have well over 300 students enrolled in that program. So they're going to be technicians at all kinds of different facilities uh, with great career trajectories. And that program, based on some feedback uh, from industry as industry is automating and, uh, and the technician needs are changing, we have updated that program and are launching that new curriculum this fall. Anything else? That's... Uh, plastics, of course, is a, right. a really Explain big one. Explain what plastics is. Uh, so there are so many job opportunities in plastics, and what we're going to focus on initially are plastic injection molding. It's an area that has a high concentration of business and industry in Anderson County as well as Oconee County. So working in tandem with uh, companies that have that need and a large international corporation, Engel, which a number of our uh, plastics companies use their products, or their equipment, Engel donated a brand new high-tech machine with robotics and automation, 
and we place that at one of our community campuses right inside of an industrial park. And we're going to do incumbent workforce training as well as upskilling for individuals that provide them opportunities to enter into a range of uh, plastic technician jobs. Um, the auto program has expanded. You expanded an automotive program. Tell me a little bit about mm -hmm. automotive program yes, expansion. We, we were able to uh, renovate and expand the facility that the automotive program uh, lies within. We were able to add more lifts to service more uh, cars. So that program now is expanded to meet uh, or to uh, uh, house about 100 students. Uh, we have plans to continue to expand that program because there are lots of opportunities in electric vehicles uh, that, are, that are needed as well as diesel, which we're looking into as well. Are there any programs that are growing faster than any others? Are you any most demand from students I'm talking about on that mm -hmm. side? Yes, uh, you see in all of those areas, uh, mechatronics, automotive, a number of our, of course, arts and sciences, interest in nursing continues to grow. So it really is the gamut. And I guess in the, the years you've been here, you've seen salaries grow exponentially for your graduates. Absolutely. We, you know, one of the things that we pay very close attention to is when our graduates complete and move into the workforce that we're making sure that they are earning a family sustaining wage. So when we look at our programs and look at new programs, that is a factor that we pay very close attention to is are those offerings providing pathways into the workforce that are providing a family sustaining wage. We work with the United Way to make sure that we look at those standards as well as a number of other organizations and partner with those companies that are providing those wages to people because that's really important in building a strong community. And another part I think sometimes people forget is your certification program for like builders and for professional certification. Remind people what kind of programs you have for that. Absolutely. We have an entire area at the college called corporate and community education. You think about the programs that require anywhere from six weeks to 14 weeks of quick uh, training and education that puts individuals directly into jobs. That ranges anywhere from uh, CDL truck driver training to power linemen, uh, forklift operator certifications, uh, South Carolina manufacturing uh, certifications, the whole range in those areas, as well as a number of healthcare areas that are very interesting. Uh, like certified nursing assistants and, uh, uh, and patient assistants, uh, phlebotomy, uh, electrocardiography, a number of programs such as that. And then the business areas in medical coding and computers. Uh, so the whole range of those very short-term programs are matched with what our local business and businesses and industries need. And those programs are also right now through the fall term have zero cost tuition. I noticed too when Tri-County Tech does an event, and there's there's one coming up soon, it'll probably be over by the time we do this, but um, as a health clinic you are doing, mm -hmm. that you involve students in those areas in these events. Is that, I mean, tell me how that, in, that intentional work helps the students and the community. Correct, so a, a number of things that we focus on is how we can better serve our communities and the, health care event or health awareness events that are occurring like one in Anderson uh, this weekend are an example of that where it provides students with an opportunity to translate what they're learning in the classroom to real life. 
they're actually doing community service as well. So we call that service learning. And we've got a number of programs, many of them in healthcare, in our business areas, and as well as in our university transfer areas that deliver service learning opportunities so that we can provide those um, those uh, opportunities to the community and the students learn as well uh, what community needs are and engage with the community differently. Another really neat one is uh, HVAC. They actually have a little mini bus that drives around as a part of a class in the summer and provides service to HVAC units for those that are in need. What about over the next, do you have any programs you've identified maybe in the next three to five years you'd like to add or? Oh yes, we are, we are right now looking at the next three years of our academic uh, program mix and things that are on the radar right now that uh, our local uh, advisory committees have informed us that we need are things like dental hygiene, uh, diesel mechanic. Um, uh, we're looking at some biomedical device manufacturing training all of those are ones that we're actually getting ready to discuss with our curriculum and instruction committee of our board. Uh, those are in the evaluation phase right now, and I fully expect that those are the kinds of programs that we'll be adding in the coming years. And you talked about growth. Um, still, you still got plenty of room for people who want to. Absolutely. There's always room for individuals that are looking uh, for an opportunity to change their life and or change their career. Uh, so enrollment continues to the end of July. So lots of opportunity uh, to, to uh, start their uh, journey at Tri-County. And Tri-County Tech has been a model for not only the rest of the state, but for much of the nation to come see how that program has grown, how well they've done there. Uh, this weekend, Milltown Players will launch the Hank Williams-inspired Lost Highway. It's a good show, and they're expecting good crowds at the Pelzer Auditorium. You might want to get out and see that if you're looking for something. Air conditions really working well there. they got everything fixed back up for uh, the return of all the plays. So if you want to check something out, visit the Milltown Players over in Pelzer at their auditorium to see Lost Highway. And the Cancer Association of Anderson is working to recover from the work of a dirty, rotten, lousy, no-good arsonist who burned down their storage building, which was full of supplies to help local cancer patients. If you want to donate to help them recover from this loss, there are donations being taken in all the People's Bank branches in Anderson County, or you can visit Anderson County on the Anderson Cancer Association website or the Facebook page for more information. And I hope you will support them because they do an amazing work for folks in this community, the families, members of folks who are facing cancer. Well, that's it for this edition of the Anderson Observer Podcast, News from People You Trust. Join me again next time for news, updates, interviews, and other things highlighting Anderson County. But until then, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. The summer wind came blowing in from across the sea. It lingered there to touch your hair and walk with me. All summer long we sang a song and then we strolled that golden sand two sweethearts and the summer wind.